Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let us hear God's word. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. So children, you can stay where you are. I just wanted to sh show you something, and we'll go into this. Who knows what this is? Jonah, what is this? Anybody? It's a fishing pole. It's pretty clear. It's a fishing pole. How many of you have ever fished in your life? And so it's, it's a, strange, a strange message from Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I want you to stop fish catching fish. I want you to start fishing for men and women. And so just starting with the simple idea, does Jesus want us to catch them and eat them? No, of course not. That's horrible. So what is he trying to say? He's saying, I'm going to start with where you've been and I'm going to reshift your purpose. I want you to catch people. And what that means is I want you to share with them the love that God has for them. I want you to share with them and be my messengers to catch not fish, but people who will know God. So like past, the pastor, missionary uh, that we just heard, they're going out and they're fishers of men and women all over the world and youth group so that youth students, so that they can know Christ. So when we see this, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, well, back then they used nets, but we catch with this, and some people use spears, some people, um, some people use different arrays. But this is the idea I want to keep right here, because Christians, we often forget that this is what God calls us to do, to be fishers of people. And so I want to go into the main message this way. I want to show you a picture. If, if you know this car, I'll be really amazed. Who knows what kind of car this is? Who said that? Wow. Scott won. That's a 1970 Ford Maverick. This was the first car that my family owned in the United States in 1979. And I remember when my dad brought it home, we were so excited. It was 1979. It's an older car. We jumped in the back seat, and I was so thrilled until I got inside. 
I smelled gasoline, and I smelled the most horrid, putrid smell of fish all over that car. He bought it from a salesperson who sells fish, and they deliver fish to other restaurants. So they used to put fish in the back seat. So my brother, sister, and I, it's burned into our memory. Every time we smell, we see this car, I can still smell it right now. Like there's fish smell. And so I wanted to show that because the power of smell is powerful and nostalgia strong. But just can you imagine the life of a fisherman is not the most elite life. It's, it's the life where people are gruff. They're good business people. They may speak different languages, but they don't go to college for that. They weren't trained for that. They most likely inherited from their mom and dad, their dad's business, and it's a family business. And they smell like, you guessed it, fish. And so think about it. Of all the people Jesus invites personally, who does he invite? The scholars, the noblemen. He invites fishermen. And he doesn't say, come follow me and I will make you Christian. In fact, that word Christian was not made up by Christians. You know who gave up that name Christian? Non-Christians use the word Christians to describe those who follow Christ. Those Christians. And Jesus doesn't say at this point, come follow me and be my disciple. He says, come follow me and be fishers of people. Fishers of people. Now take a moment. All of you here are thinking of yourself as, I'm a Christian. A lot of you, you know, in the world, are you, are you Jewish? Are you Muslim? No, I'm a Christian. But take a moment to say this sentence. I am a fisher of people. Doesn't that change everything? It, it just changes who we are. We're not just a status quo people who go to church and get blessed by God, have been blessed by God. But when I hear, I am a fisher of men and women, what do I hear? A calling. A purpose. A mission. And I would argue, the churches in America have gotten so weak and irrelevant because we became comfortable with being Christian. Voting a Christian way, thinking like a Christian, doing what Christians do. But we forgot that our existence until the very day that God calls you home is to be fishers of men and women for Christ. Can the church say amen? And I was hit by that. Uh, by the way, how many of you grew up in Sunday school and you sang that song? I will make you fishers of men, right? If you follow me. And so this text in Luke and Matthew's text comes together in this way that God calls us to be fishers of men and women. And I want to ask this question. Of all the things, why does Jesus say fishers of men and women? Why doesn't he say, um, you know, the go-getters, the converters? Or why doesn't he say the church builders? He says fishers of men. It's brilliant. And I want to share three things. And let's journey together. First, why does God use fishers of men? Who was he talking to? The fishermen. So the first thing we see when Jesus calls you and me to his kingdom and says, hey, I love you. I, I'm going to die for you. Would you have a new creation, new life in me? He's talking to fishermen. I will make you fishers of men and women. In the Greek word, anthropi, it's men and women. He's talking to fishermen. So God begins by using your backstory whenever he calls you. 
God uses your backstory and where you are as part of his call. In other words, God doesn't go, I'm going to delete everything you were before, and I'm going to give you a new identity. It's not the witness protection program. He starts with, who are you? Where have you been? What hurts have you experienced? What pain did you go through? And he uses you as he redeems all of this. Uh, let me just share with you. I, got, I have a confession to make. Do you know why I started playing the guitar? It was to impress girls in eighth grade. Just full-on confession. Eighth grade, ninth grade, I played Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Slash. And then I played, and Extreme came out in 1991 with More Than Words, that dung dung. Remember that? And all the girls were like, ah! And I was like... That's how you get girls. So I, I started playing the guitar in eighth grade, ninth grade. Guess what happened? It, it was intended to get girls, and I, I never succeeded. Anyway, I got, it was intended to get girls, but the youth pastor said, you play the guitar? Help out the praise team. Uh, I said, oh, uh, okay. I started out helping out the praise team. Then the children's pastor said, hey, can you help lead the children's song? Uh, okay. And then it went to, can you teach a Bible study? Okay. Can you come to the children's retreat and help direct? Okay, it went to college Bible study. And then it grew into a ministry, and God calls me to seminary. And so interesting, all from just learning guitar to impress girls, which I never impressed, to God using that for music, ministry, and you just never know. Um, some of you know Chuck Colson. I used, referred to him on Easter he started prison fellowship. Why did he suddenly have a heart for prisoners? Because after Watergate scandal, this politician went to prison for the first time and came to know Christ. And this is what he says in his biography. But all at once, I realized that it was not my success God had used to enable me to help those in prison or in hundreds of others just like it. My life of success was not what made this morning so glorious. All my achievements meant nothing in God's economy. No, the real legacy of my life was my biggest failure. That I was an ex-convict. My greatest humiliation, being sent to prison, was the beginning of God's greatest use of my life. He chose the one thing in which I could not glory for his glory. Isn't that amazing? God starts with fishermen, says, I want to make you fishers of men, because he's saying, I see you. Your life story is relevant, but I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to turn it around by my grace, and you will be a renewed version of where you've been. And so God loves us enough to take the pains that we've gone through and to not say, oh, poor baby. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to use that to glorify God. And that pain will be a glory to God. So AA, what is their policy? Once you go through the AA program, are you done? Guess what happens? You become a sponsor who walks with those who are struggling. Why are they more effective than a pastor? Because they walk through that journey. God redeems that journey, restores them, and uses that. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ does this. So it's not just about going to heaven. It's about transforming everything about our lives. And so God uses our past. So friends, I want to say to you, when he says fishes of men and women, what he's saying is your past journey, your family history, your work, 
your occupation. You may think, like, why is God putting me through this? It is a training ground for future work that God may do through you. He didn't say, I will make you dry clean clothes. Maybe he might have said that if they were dry cleaners. I will make you buy vegetables, <laughs> maybe. But he says to fishermen, come, let me make you fishers of men and women. Second, fishers of men implies this. God's invitation always, always goes beyond just us. How many of you remember Joseph from Genesis? Joseph had a dream. He had a dream that all these, you know, there was flourishing and all these weed. And, and then he also had a dream where the seven cows came up and ate, the sickly cows. And basically the dream interpreted was we're going to have seven years of flourishing abundance and seven years of famine. Notice what Joseph does to Pharaoh. Hey, let's accumulate this for ourselves. He doesn't just say that. What do they do? They accumulated it, stored it so they could be a blessing to others. The biggest problem with being a Christian today is this. We think it's just a personal experience. So how many of you heard this? Be honest. You know, God and me is just a, it's a personal thing. It's just about God and me. How many of you heard that? I've heard you say that. But when you look at Jesus and he says, you're be a fisher of men and women, what is he saying? I will start with you, but the purpose of that is to reach the world. Always. So God's invitation always goes beyond us. He always has a bigger vision than us. And so fishers of men and women means that God calls people to reach people. And so I'm, I'm learning this right now that when we look at the real work of the church, um, where does the real work of the church occur? Where? What venue? Come on, let me hear it. Huh? Come on, don't be shy. Where does the real work of the church occur? It's kind of a trick question. Well, it's not a trick. It's a tricky question. Does it happen here in 13701 Hillsborough Drive? Can. But where does the real work of the church happen? Your address, your work location, your sports program, your neighborhood, where you are, the church, you, the church, you, the church, is where God does the real work of the church. So the Sunday service is a gathering of the church to celebrate and worship and be equipped and remind ourselves the glorious grace of God. But the work of the church doesn't happen where, hey, you got to go to church. You do it. You invite the single mother. You reach out to the hurting family. You babysit for free that household who's struggling with finances. You help out with the homework. You reach out to the elderly who just lost their husband. You do the work of the church out there. That is being fishers of men. And so when we say, hey, we got to go see the pastor, and we make it a professional thing, that's a very 20th century modernized, Americanized version of Christianity. Did you know that? Well, we pay you to do the work of the church. I'm sorry, if that's what you believe, you have no clue about what Jesus has done. I will make who the fishes of men? James, John, and Peter. And notice he doesn't say to them, I have a wonderful plan for you. It was a terrible plan for them. You know how Peter died? Crucified upside down. Do you know how James died? 
he had his head bashed in by rocks. John, he died alone in the island of Patmos, exiled. Jesus doesn't say, I have a wonderful plan for you. He says, I will make you fishers of men and women of the world. I had this awesome privilege, and I realized I've been around Christians too long. I love you guys. I love the church. But you know where I find my greatest joy? I love hanging out with non-Christians, hands down, all the time. Because at least they're real. At least they're consistent. And at least they'll be honest with you, like, I don't believe in your God. That's all right. But how can we be fishers of men to them? Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Show them what Christians can be. Show them what generosity and grace is. And so this year, I, don't, I go into it every year, but I'm loving baseball managing because I get to spend time with more than half of families who do not go to church, who do not care about God at the moment, other than when they're in crisis. But they're like, you're a pastor? You're kind of different. And I'm like, yes. That's kind of what I want to hear because the work of the church is out there. Amen? And we have forgotten that. We think the church belongs to us. My stuff. Where's my comfort? Where's my joy? Where's, where's my things? The church doesn't exist just for you. You are part of it. But the church exists for God's mission. And when we see people like our friend here who came and shared, we think, oh, gosh, yeah, those are the special people. Well, I have news for you. Did God call just certain people to be fishers of men? The answer is no, and we'll get to that at the end. So third, when Jesus says, from now on you will catch men and women, and Matthew's version says, I will make you fishers of men, what they're saying is, you are great at catching fish, but you cannot catch people without my power in you. The work of Christ and God cannot be done by ourselves. Um, I went fishing with one of our youth group students a long time ago. Same rod, same hook, same bait. He was two feet from me. Guess how many bass he caught? Three. Guess how many bass I caught? None for an hour. I have no idea why. I was like, what are you doing? And I'm doing copying him, exact same thing. And he catches three, same spot, I catch nothing. And I think there's a sermon illustration in there somewhere. One is I can't fish. Two is sometimes it's mysterious. You could do the same action, but nothing happens. You could fish for people, nothing happens. But God can make something happen. And God's the only one that makes things happen. If you think about this, here comes a carpenter going up to professional fishermen. He gets in their boat, talks to the crowd because they're getting crowded, and then he finishes talking, and what does he say to Peter? Throw your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter says, I think we don't see it. With all due respect, dude, <laughs> we've been fishing all night, and we caught nothing, and right now it's the middle of the day. The fish are sleeping in the cool water. But he doesn't say that. He says, We've been fishing all night, but because you say so, there's humility, and there's trust, and then there's obedience. He throws a net on the other side, and what happens? A catch so big that the ship started sinking. What is the point of that? Luke is saying, catching fish is a metaphor to catching people, and only the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit can do that. What is your power? your power? Humility. Trust 
and obedience. This is how we do church. In humility, in trust, and in obedience. Sometimes we're too smart for our good. We're going to try to do a short-term church in Mexico in August. And a lot of you are thinking, oh, that's dangerous. Hey, if God is calling us to do this and open this door, might we have humility? Might we have trust? I mean, we're not talking about like, hey, let's go in the middle of the night, send like two Euchre kids alone by themselves and trust God. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking, hey, let's dip our toe in the water and see where God is calling this particular congregation to enter into. And in humility and obedience, will God do his work? I believe so. Because that's my God. That's our, the power of Christ. This church doesn't exist because of people's brilliance from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now. It's not from the pastors. This church is here because of the power of Christ that allowed us to do this work. Yes? And so where do we go from here? We realize that Christianity, if it's boring to you, I am so sorry, you have no clue what Christ has called you into. Christianity is literally the most exciting thing we can do eternally. And it requires the power of God through humble people, trusting. And so Peter catches it, calls another fish, and what does Peter do? He bows down and says, be gone from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. And there's Jesus, there's him recognizing his weakness. It's not from fishing prowess that makes you a fisherman. It makes, it's the power of Christ. So, C.S. Lewis says, go fish for people. You know, you think nations, cultures, and civilizations, they're mortal, but people are immortal. And he says, but our merriment must be of that kind, which exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. And our charity must be real and costly love with deep feelings for the sins in spite of which we love the sinner. No mere tolerance or indulgence. And he goes on, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way, for in him also Christ, very latitat, meaning the glorifier and the glorified, glory himself is truly hidden. What C.S. Lewis is saying is, the greatest work for you to do is to treat your neighbor, believers and unbelievers, as holy, immortal beings. And Christ is calling us to go reach them. And so, how do we do this without Christ? We can't. We need Christ. At the end of uh, this, let me wrap it up for just the sake of time. On Easter morning, Jesus gets up. And he's at the shore. The fishermen go back to fishing. And you know the story. They haven't caught a fish all night. And they hear a voice, friends, have you caught fish? And now it's coming together. They're like, no, throw your net on the other side. That's weird. Someone else said that. Deja vu. And they do it. And what happens? They caught 172 fish, I believe, according to the Bible. They were so specific. And Peter says, it's the Lord. I remember that was our first calling. It's come full circle. And Jesus feeds them cooked fish that they brought in. And what does Jesus say? As a father has sent me, so now I send you. To do what? It's time to go fishing. The church has to go fishing. The church cannot be about keeping these doors open. Who cares if CPCLM closes? Who cares if... 
Harvest Church closes. The church organization can die. The church that Jesus builds, redeems, will never die. And God is calling us to reach men, women, young people all over the world for the Lord. Are you a Christian or are you going to be a fisher of men? And I'm going to say this right now. We have to go to communion because it got a little bit long. But I want to say this. Some of you have been kind of feeling that nudge like there's got to be more. I want to challenge you. Are you ignoring God's call for your life? Every one of you has one. What is your calling? What are you afraid of? Would you humbly, in trust, take a step of faith and let Jesus lead you and you live your life to be fishers of men?